up our time as we continue. This is the Life Series with a little bit of a story. One of the best decisions I made when I was in college was after my second year, after my sophomore year, I put all of my items into my car and headed on down from Clemson, South Carolina, down to Orlando, Florida to spend a semester at Walt Disney World as a part of their college program. So I got to do that. That was a lot of fun. Had no clue that that thing even existed. I was there uh, just going about my business there in that spring semester of my sophomore year and started to see these signs pop up all over campus because this was before the internet was a big deal in social media, so you just had to, you had to use paper to communicate, uh, especially on a college campus. So these signs are popping up, and it just said, come spend a semester at the happiest place on earth, and 19-year-old Adam said, that sounds like a blast. Let's go do that. And so I went through and did the interview, and lo and behold, as an accounting major, they actually have accountants down at Walt Disney World, so I got an accounting internship down there. Uh, which was really a lot of fun. I know that you maybe don't think that that sounds like fun, but it was really a lot of fun for me. And so I went down there and I had so much fun as a part of that internship. It was great to be an employee, what they call cast members down there. It was a great to be a cast member. Being a cast member came with some privileges. You got to go to the parks anytime you wanted to for free. You got to have some backstage access to things. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about these secret tunnels that are under the Magic Kingdom. I have been in those secret tunnels under the Magic Kingdom. It is amazing down there. You see all kinds of wild things like Eeyore walking around holding his head. I, I'm almost certain I've seen Cinderella smoke a cigarette under there. I was like tempted to go smoke one with her. You know, I just thought this would be so, such a cool story. I didn't. And, um, but anyway, so I've seen all that stuff back there behind, behind the scenes and backstage. And it was, uh, it was so much fun to be a part of that for seven months. I got to go do that. Now, one of the things that I didn't know when I signed up that was also going to be a part of this college program was this, is that I was going to get to take classes through Disney University. Disney University is their little organization that does leadership development and kind of some continuing education classes for their employees, for their cast members, as well as some outside groups you can go and take classes at Disney University. And so I got to take some classes as a part of the college program. So every Monday for 10 weeks, I got to sit in these classes and learn about how Walt Disney World thinks about running their resort, how they think about business. Now, at the end of the 10 weeks, they gave people some certificates to memorialize that they went through and got this training through Disney University. And so I don't know if you guys know this about me or not, if this will come as a shock or you'll go, yeah, this is exactly what I would expect of Adam. But I, right now, I hold a degree. I hold a doctorate degree from Disney University. So I don't know if you know that. Yes, that's worth clapping for, okay? That's a big deal. I hold a doctorate degree in management of all things, in management. And just in case you're wondering, a doctorate degree is better than a master's degree. That too is a real thing. I don't have a master's degree, and I will be offended if you say I do have a master's degree. I have a doctorate degree. Now come to find out uh, the difference between a master's and a doctorate was the doctorate was given to people who went to all 10 classes, and if you missed one or two, then you got the master's. So it's essentially perfect attendance is all that it is, but I like to make it sound like it's a much bigger deal, and so I have it framed and I keep it in my office, and uh, my team members are rolling their eyes because I often remind them of, I'll answer this question because I've got the doctorate degree, clearly, I'm, I'm qualified to do this. So anyway, went through these classes, and I still remember, this is over 20 years ago, still remember a lot of the things that they taught me during those classes about how Disney thinks about running business. And one of the ones that at the time when I heard it was so counterintuitive and so novel to me was this, is that Walt Disney World is a for-profit company. They're a for-profit organization, so they like profit. They wanna earn a profit. 
Now, one of the things that's different, though, or that was counterintuitive to me was the, the way they go about trying to earn a profit is different than what I would have expected. The way they try to earn a profit is not to focus on a profit. The way that they found that for them to become profitable is this, is they focus on guest experience, on customer service. And so they don't try to sit there and just make every decision from a spreadsheet decision to think about how can we cut costs or raise revenues to be, become more profitable. What they do, one of the number one decisions that they think about is how can we increase the guest experience? Because what they found is that the cleaner the parks are, the more amazing and excellent the attractions are, the better the food is, and the better the cast members treat the guests, the more people will go and tell their friends, and then they'll come back, and they'll continue to visit the park year after year. And oftentimes, when they visit the park, they wear t-shirts like this. It says, most financially irresponsible day ever, right? If you've been to the parks, you know that is true. When you walk in there, you gladly hand over your money for that experience, and it's a lot of money that you hand over. And so Disney has figured out the way for them to be profitable is to treat people differently, not just to focus on being profitable. And it's worked out really well for them for years. So I start with all that for this reason, is because come to find out, that little counterintuitive principle isn't so special after all. In fact, that, they really weren't the ones to come up with that idea. In fact, the idea really has its roots in Scripture, and it's got its roots in Scripture, especially related to the topic that we're going to talk about today, because what's true for Disney is also true in our life, and it's especially true in our life around this topic that we're going to cover today as we talk about today. We're going to talk about respect. We're gonna talk about respect. That's where we are in this, in this is the life series. Now, let me define what this word is because this is one of those words that we use on a regular basis, but we maybe haven't taken the time to sit back and go, what do I mean when I say respect? If I say I respect somebody or you are respectful, what am I really saying? And so when I use this word here for the rest of our time together today, here's what I mean when I say respect. It's this. It is a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities their qualities, or their achievements. And so that's what respect is. It is a deep feeling of admiration for someone or something based on the things that they've done, the qualities that they have, what they've achieved or accomplished in life. Now, similar to how Disney wants to be profitable, I bet when you hear that definition, every single one of us in this room today would say, I wanna be respected. There's probably not one person in here that reads that definition and goes, no, you know what, I'm okay if people don't have a deep feeling of admiration towards me. Every single one of us in here wants to be respected by other people. And similar in the same way that how Disney goes about that in a very counterintuitive way, the same thing is gonna be true for us. You and I are not gonna become respectable people by focusing on respect. You and I are gonna grow to become respectable people if we too focus on the way we treat others. And we're gonna see that time and time again as we read through the Proverbs here today and we think about this idea of how we can become respectable. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at three different ways that we can become respectable people, three different ways that we can treat others that will bring about this deep feeling of admiration for us. And so I think this is a really important message for all of us. And one of the reasons I think this is an important message is this, is there's a prevailing mindset out there when it comes to respect right now and it's not helpful. This prevailing mindset for many of us with respect is not gonna yield for us the results that we want. It's not gonna give us or make us more respectable people. And the prevailing mindset that I see out there in my life and others that I talk to is this, is that I feel like I am entitled to your respect. That all of us in here, we feel like we're entitled to respect, but yet we feel like others need to earn our respect. 
And so all of us in here, we want to be respected and we feel like we're entitled to it. And one of the evidences that we feel like we're entitled to it is how easily offended we are as we go through our day and go through our life. All of us are so easily offended. If somebody drives a way that we don't approve of or they do something on the road that we think is disrespectful, we get so offended by that because we think we're worthy of respect. If anybody just gives us the slightest bit of criticism or speaks a little bit critically into our life, we get so offended by them and say, no, 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 you don't understand. I deserve to be treated with respect. You can't criticize me. If, if our waiter gets our order wrong at lunch today after church, we're gonna be offended by that because we feel like that's disrespectful. All of us feel like we are entitled to respect, but yet everybody else has to earn it. And if you're sitting there going, Adam, I don't know if I believe that, I'll just say, well, wait about 35, 40 minutes and see how you feel when you try to leave this campus and you get in your car and you try to get out of the parking garage or you try to get out of the west lot, I think you're gonna realize, yeah, I do feel entitled to respect right now and others need to earn it. If that's our mindset, if that's our mindset, that is not gonna cause us to become respectable people. God wants us to become respectable people. That's what we're gonna see out of Proverbs today. And the reason why he wants you and I to become respectable people is not so that we'll feel better about ourselves and so we'll feel good that people have a deep feeling of admiration for us. The reason God wants you and I to become respectable people is because we are his plan A. For some reason, God in his infinite wisdom has decided that he's gonna use his people to be his marketing and PR department. He's gonna use us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He's gonna use us to love other people and tell them about himself and tell, tell others about Jesus. And what we also know is true is that people usually like Christians before they like Christ. They typically respect a Christian first before they go and they respect Jesus. And so God wants you and I to become respectable people and it's not just so that we can feel better about ourselves, it's so that more people can make much of him. So a lot's at stake with this. So we're gonna jump into the Proverbs and we're gonna look through eight different Proverbs here today as we look at this and study what it has to say about how we can become respectable people. Just a word of warning before we jump in and start to read through these Proverbs. Our English translations really don't use the word respect in the book of Proverbs very often. That's not the word that they use to talk about this deep feeling of admiration for other people. The word that's used in most of our English translations is the word honor. That's the word that's used. And so as I read through these eight Proverbs here today, that's the word we're gonna see and, and listen and hear over and over again. You're not gonna hear the word respect, but when you hear the word honor, we can think respect. When I say the word honor, I mean respect. When I say the word respect, I mean honor. These are gonna be used interchangeably here today. As we read through these eight Proverbs, I'm gonna just put them into three broad categories, three different behaviors, three different ways that we can treat people that will cause our life to become more and more respectable. And the three ways is if we treat people with kindness, if we treat them with love, and if we treat them with humility, we become more respectable. So here we go, let's jump in. The first proverb we're gonna look at is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16. Here's what it says. A kind-hearted woman gains honor. There's our word. A kind-hearted woman gains, gains honor, but ruthless men gain only wealth. So I love these Proverbs that have this compare and contrast. You could just spend all day in these. Usually when the Proverbs have a, have a compare and contrast like this, they're uh, trying to say that one thing is, is definitely better than the other. And so what we have here in this Proverb is we have two people with two different behaviors and two different outcomes. So the two people we have is we have a woman and we have men in here. And the two different behaviors that they have is the woman is kind-hearted and the men, they're ruthless 
and the two different outcomes is the kind-hearted woman, she gains something. She gains honor. She gains respect from others when she treats people kindly. The men who are ruthless, they gain something too, but the, the verse here says that they gain only wealth. And I love that word only in there. It's very, very clear that, that the, the author of this proverb, that God, what he is communicating to us is that honor is better than wealth. It's only wealth, but you gain honor. And so when you are kind-hearted towards other people, you will gain something that is more valuable than money. You will gain respect. You will gain honor when you are kind towards others. And I know what you're probably sitting there thinking, well, Adam, that's great, uh, but I don't think that kindness is gonna pay my mortgage and I'll concede that point, and then I'll offer one little counterpoint. I'll go, I agree that uh, kindness alone is not gonna pay your mortgage, but if you default on your mortgage and you lose your home, if you're kind, chances are very high that another person is gonna take you into their home. So I think it's all gonna work out for you just fine. You're gonna have a roof over your head as long as you're kind to people. And so kindness, when you treat people with kindness, you gain something, you gain honor from them. And so that's our first behavior, our first characteristic, the first way that we treat people, if we want to become people of respect, then we need to do this. We need to treat people with kindness. Treat people with kindness. And I think this message is so important. This reminder is so important because I, I think you guys are probably seeing the same thing that I'm seeing out there in the culture right now, and that is this, is that our culture has lost the art of respectful disagreement. Right now, everybody's drawing lines and you're saying, here's who I am, here's what I believe, here's what my worldview is. This is what I believe is true about life. And if you don't believe everything that I believe in the exact same way I believe it, then I don't have to treat you kindly. I get to, to treat you like an enemy and I could be mad at you. You don't deserve my respect. And the culture is out there and we're just losing this art of respectful disagreement and saying, that, hey, it's okay if we're different. We can still be kind to one another. We can still be friendly with one another. We can still be friends even though we have disagreements on some major things in our life, even though we view the world a different way. And so this is what's going on in our culture, which just kind of seems to go against what the Proverbs is saying. And it's also a reason why an event that happened here in Dallas just, just a couple of weeks ago made national news. And so a couple of weeks ago, Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, invited some people to come watch the Cowboys-Packers game over there at Cowboys Stadium. Two of the people that he happened to invite to be a part of, of his party and some of his guests for this particular game was George W. Bush and Ellen DeGeneres. And as luck would have it, during that football game, Ellen and George sat right next to each other. It could not be more, two more different people sitting right next to each other right there at the game. Now, as what will often happen during these games, the cameramen, they know the section where the Jones family, all their guests are, and they'll, every once in a while, go pan over there and look at who is sitting in the Jones section for the game, because there's often some celebrities up there, and uh, they'll just do that in between plays, some filler. And so this, this particular game, they struck gold. They said, well, look at this. We got George and Ellen sitting right next to each other. Let's see what kind of fireworks go off here with these two people that are so different. And as the game went on, you know what happened is that George and Ellen, they sat there and they watched the game and they had a delightful time. They got along with each other. They were talking and they were laughing with one another and they were so kind to each other. And as the America was watching this, some people started to get offended and they're sitting there and they're watching Ellen. They're going, doesn't Ellen know who she's sitting next to right now? Why is she being kind to that man? And so they handled it in a very mature way. They said, let's go to social media and bash her. And so they go out to social media and they start to say, why is Ellen being kind to that man? Doesn't she know who she's sitting next to? Doesn't she know what that man believes? They're different. Why is she being kind? 
And so Ellen obviously heard about this and some short, term, short time later, she used her platform of her television show, the monologue at the very beginning of her show to address this, to address this social media firestorm that happened, the criticism that she received for being kind to somebody who was different than her. And this is what she said just a short time later. She said this, they, this is a quote from her. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? When I say be kind to one another, I don't only mean the people that think the same way you do, I mean be kind to everyone. And I didn't get to watch this happen live, but I saw it on YouTube later, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just going, this is amazing. And supposedly what Ellen is doing is at the end of her show, I don't get to watch her show very often because it's on during the day, and I'm like, I don't know, working during the day, and so I can't (laughs) go and watch the end. But supposedly she ends her show with the same sign-off every day. You guys remember growing up watching The Price is Right, Bob Barker, he had his sign-off, spay and neuter your pets. She's got a little better one. She said, just be kind to everybody. A little better than Bob's right there. And so she ends her show every day saying, be kind to one another. And what she's basically saying here is, listen, I don't just say that because it's, it's like makes me look good. I actually believe it. I believe it, and it doesn't matter. And she went on in that monologue to talk about how she has lots of friends that are different than her, and she doesn't expect everybody to think the same way she does, and that doesn't mean that she should treat them disrespectfully. And I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, my respect for her is going up. I think it's a wonderful view, and I respect her views on all of that. And at the same time, I'm hearing all this, and I'm going, she's quoting Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said the same thing 2,000 years ago, and we learned it this summer, Matthew chapter five, verses 46 and 47. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Jesus is saying, if you're just kind to people who think the same way you do, act the same way you do, have the same interests that you do, don't expect anybody to be impressed by that kindness. That's easy. That's not worthy of respect. If you wanna see something and some behavior that's worthy of respect, then be kind to the people that are different than you. Well, the Bushes, I mean, this thing is just crazy. The Bushes then released a statement as they watched this whole social media firestorm and they watched her go and defend her actions, and then the Bushes released a statement that said, President and Mrs. George Bush really enjoyed being with Ellen and Portia. They appreciated Ellen's comments about respecting one another. They respect her. And so we got to watch George and Ellen here just be kind to each other, and our respect for both of them goes way up. But think about how insane this is and what an indictment this is on our culture that two people who are obviously very different are kind to one another, and they have to use public platforms to defend kindness. That is ridiculous. That is crazy. Imagine if we parented that way. Those of you that have kids in the room, say you've got a son and a daughter and you, you happen to catch your older son being nice to his kid's sister today. Imagine if you saw that and you were like, Jimmy, get in here. <laughs> what did you do by just being respectful to her and kind to her and letting her get her own way? Don't you know that she's a girl and different than you? Don't you know that she is to be your rival right now? Don't you know that you're not supposed to be her friend until you go to college? kids would be like, what? I've got to defend kindness? That's kind of what what they had to do here. But it's just, our culture is starving for this. And it's so abnormal. 
And our respect for both of these people go up regardless if we agree with them or not. Our respect goes up for them because they're kind. And so what Jesus is reminding us of here, what the Proverbs are reminding us of here is this, is that we especially, let me just talk to Christians in the room right now, those of you that proclaim to follow Jesus, that we are to be kind to everyone, everyone. And the reason that we are to be kind with everyone is because every single life is a miracle. Every single person has been made by God and they are worthy of our dignity and our respect and we are to be kind to them. And so this doesn't mean that we have to insulate our lives and protect ourselves from people who are different than us. It is okay to be kind to people and to be friendly with people at your workplace who have different views on marriage and sexuality than you have. It is okay to be friends with or to be friendly with and be kind to people at your kid's school who have different views of Jesus and the Bible and God and salvation. That's okay to do that. We are to be kind to everyone, because when we're kind to them, the kind-hearted woman gains honor, gains honor. What's so convicting to me in this is that I am an expert at being kind to Christian baseball fans who have graduated from Clemson. <laughs> nobody, nobody better at being kind to those people than me. And that's not respectable. That's not respectable. If you and I, if we wanna live the life, if we wanna be respectable people, then we need to treat people a different way. We need to treat them with kindness. Let's move on and let's look at the second one here with love. Three Proverbs here with love. Proverbs 20, 28, let's read this one first. Love and faithfulness keep a king safe. Through love, his throne is made secure. You wanna know what kings like? You know what kings and leaders, you know what they like? They like to remain being a king. That's what they like. They like to remain being a king. They wanna remain being a leader. And if you have been a student of history or even just observing leaders today in our world, what we know is the tactics that most leaders and kings go through in order to make sure that they can remain being king is often coercion, manipulation, exploiting people, military force. That's usually the, the tactics and that's usually the way that kings treat people so that they can remain king. And what I love what God is saying here is, listen, if you're a king, if you're a leader, if you want the respect of your people so that they keep you in your position, don't do it by manipulation, coercion, and extorting people. Here, here's something to do, just love them. Consider their interest above your own. Seek the best for them. Love and faithfulness keep that king secure. Through love, your throne and your position is not gonna go away. So we see this idea of loving people, treating them a different way is where you're gonna gain respect and become respectable to them. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and love, there's our word again, righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. So if you seek to live a life of living rightly and seeking the best in other people and loving them, you find something. You find life, you find, you find the prosperity that comes from rich relationships, and you find honor. You find respect. Proverbs 27, 18, the one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, but whoever protects their master will be honored. If you take an interest in something that is very close to somebody else, if you protect your master, you will be honored. We put these three Proverbs together and we see our second behavior here that if you treat people with love, you will become more respectable. 
My wife and I have seen this in our own life over the last couple of years. We have developed a, a great friendship, and our whole family has developed a great friendship with a young lady here on staff. And uh, this relationship really started over us inviting her over to our home to babysit our kids. And so we had heard that this young lady was a great babysitter. We had a night where we uh, were gonna go out on a date and wanted to have a babysitter, needed to have a babysitter, so we asked her if she could come over. She had an opening on her schedule, and it worked out. So my wife and I, we've got two young boys, 11-year-old and a nine-year-old. And the second that this young lady came into our house and she started to engage with my kids, I could just tell something's a little different about her. The way that she started to talk to them and interact with them and the way that they were kind of uh, responding to her, I was like, okay, I see why people like having her as a babysitter. She's pretty good with the kids right now. And so we kind of gave her the rundown on this first night of the way the home works, what time we want them to go to bed and all that stuff. And we left and we went out on the date. Probably 30, 45 minutes later, we start getting text messages from her with these pictures of her having so much fun with our boys, like not text messages going, now where, where's this again and what time do they go to bed? It was like, look how much fun we're having. And my wife and I are like, this is amazing. Let's, let's go get two desserts. Let's go see a movie, all right? It sounds like, sounds like they're having a blast over there. They don't need us to go home. And it just brought such comfort to us and to see how much fun she was having with our kids. We get home and the kids were asleep. Which parents, can we just be honest? That's, that's what we're paying for, really, right? <laughs> I'm just paying for one night to not have to do the bedtime routine, okay? So when I come home and they're asleep, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'll pay you double, whatever it is. That's amazing. <laughs> the kids are asleep and we say, how does it go? And she goes on and on and on telling stories about what they did and how uh, little character qualities that she saw and the way that they loved one another. And I'm almost like, did you watch my kids? Like these stories are amazing. And then right there on the table are two sheets of paper with handwritten letters she's written to our kids talking about things that they've done, character things that she saw in them so that they can read it in the morning. And I know you guys wanna know her name and I'm not telling you. <laughs> so this was the first time and every time we've had her come over, she's done this every single time. And here's what's happened is that my wife and I we have so much respect for this young lady. She's become a part of our family. We, we would do anything for her. And you know what she did? She just took an interest in something that I care very deeply about and that Jackie cares very deeply about. She took an interest in my kids. She's easily my favorite person on staff, easily, right? Because she's on staff here, easily. And she's just won me over by loving my kids. I'm just easy like that. And I think what we see from the Proverbs here and what we see from my friend's behavior is this, is that an easy way to love people, an easy way to love people is to take an interest in something or someone that others care deeply about. Just take an interest in something that they care very deeply about. And we can all do this, guys. Every single one of us can do this. You can do this as you're driving home today, as you wake up tomorrow, whatever it is, at any, wherever you do or whatever you do in your life, just to get alone with your thoughts and think and just run through the various relationships in your life and ask yourself this question, do I know what these people care deeply about? And how can I take an interest in something that they care deeply about? Because here's the thing is that every single person has a relationship that they care deeply about, they've got a hobby that they care deeply about, or they have a cause that they care deeply about. And I don't think the Proverbs are calling us to uh, care as deeply about these things as the other person does, but I think what we're being called to do here is to just take an interest in these things. Take an interest in these things. 
And so the challenge for me in this is my wife and I, as we think about parenting our kids, our approach to parenting our two boys is probably very similar to the approach that a lot of you parents take in this. And in the, one of the goals that we have in parenting is this, is that we want to parent in a way with the end in mind. We're trying to parent with the end in mind. And that means this, is that we want one day when our kids no longer have to be around us, that they want to be around us. When they no longer have to be in our home and they have to spend time with us, we want to parent in a way that they choose to spend time with us. And I know this, I know that if they're going to be at a, at a point in their life where they're adults and they want to choose to spend time with me, that respect is going to have to be a part of that equation. They're going to have to respect me and respect Jackie if they're going to choose to spend time with us. And so one of the things that I can control in this situation that I go, okay, that's, that's what one of my goals is I want I want to have a, an adult relationship with my kids, and so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to get in the habit of just trying to take an interest in things that they take an interest in and things that they care deeply about. And so if you were to be in my house right now and watch me interact with my boys, the conversations uh, on topics about things that, candidly, I really don't care that much about. I know more about sneakers right now than I've ever known about sneakers, because for some reason, my boys are into sneakers and their friends are into sneakers, and so we talk about sneakers a lot in our house, and I know all the different types of Nikes that are out there and the Jordans, and we got this East Bay catalog that whenever that shows up in the mail, we're going to pour over that and look at the new LeBrons and all this kind of stuff, and I do that just to take an interest in something that they take an interest in. You'd also hear conversations about cars. My boys are at that age where cars are cool, and living in Dallas, they can see cool cars like out on the road. When I, where I was growing up in Manassas, Virginia, the only time I saw a Lamborghini is when it was on the folder in my Trapper Keeper. Okay, that, that was the only time I saw exotic cars. Well, living here in Dallas, my boys can see exotic cars all the time and we, we look for them when we're out on the road and we talk about them. And then I do this ridiculous thing. If you ever see me do this, I'm so sorry. When I walk through parking lots and I see nice cars, I take pictures of them. And so if you ever see me take a picture of your car, just take it as an act of respect. It's because I want to show my boys, look at this cool car that I saw, and it just gives me something to connect with on them, just to take an interest in something that they take an interest in. The music that we listen to, the countless conversations we're having right now about Harry Potter, and he gives me such tired head, Harry Potter does. I just, I don't understand it. It's such a complicated story to me. I don't want to read the books. I don't want to watch the movies, but my kids are into it. And so I want to take an interest in things that they take an interest in. You can do this. I can do this. When we do this, it communicates love. And when we love people, that's living the life. That's becoming more respectable. So the first way we can treat others is treat them with kindness. The second is to treat them with love. Let's look at this last one here, to treat people with humility. The last four Proverbs, let's start here. Proverbs 15, 33. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honors. Proverbs 18, 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Our culture, regardless of what you believe about God, we know that. Pride comes before the fall. And we know that part of the proverb, but we don't often quote the second part of the proverb of humility is what comes before honor. Proverbs 22, four, humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages. Here's what you earn when you're humble. Riches, honor, and life. Proverbs 29, 23, pride brings a person low, but that's okay when you're low because look at what it says here, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. So you put these four Proverbs together and we see our third thing here. Be kind, treat people with kindness, treat people with love, and treat people with humility. 
When you're humble towards others, you become, your life becomes more respectable. When you and I, when we willingly lower our self-importance, what the Proverbs seem to indicate here is that when we lower our self-importance, others will then lift us up. And so when we treat them with humility, we become more respectable. And I also understand that that is way easier said than done just to say, hey, lower your self-importance, treat people humbly, make it more about them than it is about you. And the reason why that's such a temptation for us or why that seems so counterintuitive for us to do that is because it seems like this world is massive and there's millions or billions of people here and everybody seems to be boasting and bragging about their accomplishments and their abilities and their qualities and we don't wanna be left out. Because we think we're kind of special too, just like everybody else, do we not? I mean, really candidly, we all think we're kind of a big deal. We got a little bit of Ron Burgundy in us, right? We think we're a big deal. People should know us. We want to be respected for our many leather-bound books and our homes that smell of rich mahogany. We want people to respect our doctorate degree. And it's such a temptation to want to go out there and boast and to brag about these things, to try to make much of us, to try to get people to pay attention to us. And we're not the only people that's ever struggled with this. The church in Corinth struggled with this almost 2,000 years ago, and Paul, loving that church well, shared this with them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says this, for who makes you different than anyone else? What could you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And Paul just reminding the church in Corinth and reminding us today, like, hey, what do you have that you think is so worthy of attention and bragging and boasting about? What do you have that you didn't receive? Anything that's great in your life that's worth bragging about, you didn't do anything to get it. That was a gift because we worship a benevolent and gracious and giving Heavenly Father. Anything great about any of us has been given to us by God. It's not not our own doing that's worth bragging about. And so what the Proverbs are reminding us of here and what Paul is reminding us of here is this, is that basically what we are is we're all pinch runners in a baseball game. We're all pinch runners in a baseball game. Baseball playoffs going on right now, baseball on my mind. And so baseball is one of those interesting sports that when a, uh, a guy gets up and he gets a hit, if he say he hits a double and he's standing on second base, the manager can choose to take that man who just hit the double, he can take him out of the game and put somebody else in the game to run in his place. This usually happens at the end of the game when the score is tied or it's really close and you want maybe, let's say the guy who hit the double is slow and you wanna put a faster runner in there so if the next guy gets a base hit, he'll be able to score from second. And so you'll see this, this strategic move made uh, often at the end of a game. It'll take the slower runner out and put the faster runner in. In all my years of watching and playing baseball, here's one thing I have never seen when a pinch runner goes to second base. I have never seen the pinch runner sit there and start to brag and boast about what he just did. There's never a pinch runner that gets to second base and looks at the pitcher and is like, what else you got? I'll hit another fastball. Throw me a curveball. I don't care. I'll hit it. I'll hit it the other direction. He never sits there and starts tipping his hat to the crowd going, yeah, how about that hit? You know why? Because the pinch runner knows he didn't hit the double. The other guy hit the double. He's just humbly out there playing his role, being the pinch runner. He's not trying to bring any attention to himself right now. And what Paul is telling us and what we all need to remember here is every single one of us, we're all pinch runners. Anything that's worthy of bragging about is just a gift that's been given to us by our heavenly father. And so here's what this means, is that we don't have to spend our time 
going around trying to get everybody else's attention. What we can do is that we can humbly take our attention and focus it on other people for an extended period of time. I hope you guys know this. You, you, you know this, right? That the most, one of the most valuable things you have in your life right now is your attention. It's one of the most valuable things that you have. Companies spend millions and millions of dollars every year to try to get your attention. And why are they spending that much money? Because it's worth it. Your attention is valuable. And when you understand that you're a pinch runner, that what you have, you've been given by the Lord, then here's what this means, is you can now humble yourself. And you can take that attention, that precious, valuable attention, and you can now focus that on other people. And when you do that, pride will go away. When you humbly focus on others, what ends up happening is that you receive back from those other people that you're focusing on honor, respect. They respect you. I was trying to pressure test this idea and even think about my own life and the men that God has brought into my life that have had such an impact in my life that I have the utmost respect for. And, and I was amazed at how quickly I was able to write a list of names down, going all the way back to middle school and think about these men and try to think about what do, what do they all have in common. These are some of the men in my life that I respect the most. And back in middle school, it was Garfield Lindo, and then it was Adam Landrum, and then John Reeves, and Bob Strickland, and Bill Willits, and John McGee, and Blake Holmes, and Robbie Rice, and Clark Stevens, and Randy Marshall, and Jeff Stresa. I think about all these men, these 11 men, that I have the utmost respect for. And the one thing that all of these men have in common, you wanna know what it is? They all took their attention and they focused it on me for an extended period of time. And they listened to me and they prayed for me and they counseled me and they coached me and they helped me. And for an extended period of time at different moments over my life, those men said there's a whole bunch of places in different areas where I could spend or pay attention and I'm gonna focus it on you, Adam. It's had such a profound impact in my life and I have so much respect for these men. They got honor, their humility, they received honor. I respect them and so my question for you is this, is whose list are you on? Whose list are you on right now? If you think about who, who have you been focusing your attention on for an extended period of time where they would just go, I have the utmost respect for that person because just for a few moments, they shut everything else out in the world and they focus on me. When we do that, when we're humble, when we treat people with humility, we gain honor. So if you and I, if we wanna live the life, if we wanna be respectable people, we don't do it by focusing on respect or feeling like we're entitled to respect. We really flip that prevailing mindset. We flip it around. We believe that others are entitled to it, but yet we have to go earn it. You see, you are entitled to my respect and my kindness and my love and my humility because you've been made by God and you are worthy of it, but I, I wanna treat you in a way, I don't want you just to give it to me, I wanna, I wanna treat you in a way that you almost have no option but to respect me. God wants us to become respectable because we're his plan A. He's gonna use us to tell the world of how amazing Jesus Christ is. So we'll just close with this one last thought that the greatest expression of respect that the world has ever seen is not us in our lives. The greatest expression of respect that the world has ever seen is Jesus. It's great that Ellen and George, even though they were different, were kind to each other, but Ellen and George's behavior 
is nowhere close to the behavior of Jesus Christ as you read through the Gospels. Jesus surrounded himself with people who were different than him. He had enemies who insulted him and hit him and spit on him. And he treated all of his enemies and all the people that were so different than him, he treated them with kindness. He treated them with respect. And it's great that this friendship that my wife and I have with this young lady here on staff, this friendship is growing. It's great that she cares about what we care deeply about. She cares about my kids. But, but Jesus cares not only deeply about my kids, he cares about our relationship with God. He cares about our eternity. And he left heaven to come to earth to teach us about God and provide a way for us to get to God. And it's great that I've had friends who humbly pay attention to me, but Jesus Jesus paid for our sins by hanging on the cross. The cross was not just the greatest expression of love that the world has ever seen. It's also one of the greatest expressions of respect that the world has ever seen. Think about that. Jesus respected you enough to go to the cross and die for your sins. When someone pays you that kind of respect, the only appropriate response is to pay them that respect back. This is one of the things I love about this church, that for 20 years we've been calling people to do one thing, and that is to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, because he's worth it. He has loved us and respected us so much, and we know that if you pursue after Jesus and become a fully devoted follower of Christ, then he's going to change your heart, and despite differences, you're going to be kind to people. He's going to change your heart, and he's going to help you take the focus off yourself and put it on others, and you're going to love others by taking an interest in what they care about. He's gonna change your heart and you're gonna be able to humble yourself and pay attention to other people. And when you do that, people are gonna respect us, but it's not gonna be just to make much of us, our accomplishments. We're gonna be able to appoint to what was accomplished on our behalf on the cross and point to Jesus, amen? Let me pray that we'll be those kind of people. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus and the example that he set for us. We thank you for Jesus and how kind he was to his enemies and people that were different than us and how he's kind to us. And we do pray, Lord, that that kindness will lead us towards repentance. We thank you for Jesus and how he took an interest in things that we care deeply about and our relationships and our relationship with you, God, and our eternity. And he came down here to die for us and that he was so humble. He paid for our sins on the cross. And so, God, I pray that we, as your followers, that we will be fully devoted to you, that you will continue to change our hearts and that we can be kind to others, that we can be loving to others, that we can be humble around others. And we do this and we pray and we ask that our lives will become respectable, not so that people will think more highly of us and make much of us so that we can point to Jesus. And we love you and we thank you for him. And it's in his name we pray.